You know, it is often said, it is often said that, that in life, it is, num- it is not the number of breaths that you take, but more so the number of moments that take your breath away. Wow. That's that it. is beautiful. That's I'm feeling it. short and, and, of breath right now. And, well, well <laughs> I'd like to start off with a few apologies before we get into this episode of Meeting Medicine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's always the best way to begin an episode. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, I don't bring a lot to this podcast except my voice. And today I am totally scuppered and uh, essentially emasculated in that sense. It's been a late night. It's been a late <laughs> night. But luckily for me, carrying even more than his fair load on this podcast today is the just the just the magnificent tuxedoed man as I saw last night. The man who moves <laughs> on the dance floor with so much guile. Is he floating? Is he dancing? Is he resurrecting? Is he ascending? Mr. Caven Garvey. Is he having a seizure? Is, the is he having a, Mate. Is he having a seizure? Welcome, welcome to episode 15 or 16. Um, I'm yes, not I sure. I believe it's 16. 16. Well, welcome, um, brother. How are you? Mate, I'm, I am death, as I yes. <laughs> informed you of earlier. Um, was a very active night. I was actually looking at my step count. For this morning, and it peaked around uh, two a.m. A lot of a lot of steps were made, but I don't know how many of them were genuine steps or my hips just thrusting aggressively against men, <laughs> as tends to occur on the dance floor. Um, mate, it was a good night. So we just had we just had the med ball, and um, it was a night of ironies. I reckon. Um, we had this, so Dwayne, I had the pleasure of having Dwayne on my table and um, we had this lovely guardian of the table service named Priscilla. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> and it was quite an appropriate name uh, mm. given she was truly a queen of the desert um, because, <laughs> uh, and dessert actually, but Ooh, more, yes. more of the desert <laughs> because our access to alcohol was... Um, well, akin to that of a monastery, but uh, <laughs> even the monks have ac- even the monks have access to the blood of Christ. So they, I mean, they get they get hurt, they get hurt under those cassocks. Yeah. That's um, so. I think yeah. they had a better time than us in terms of inebriation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was quite an evening, regardless. Uh, there was, was a lot of thievery of alcohol between the tables. I reckon. Oh, it was terrible. Um, it was terrible. I mean, I mean, I just, I just. Um, <laughs> I just kept looking around and I kept saying to myself, uh, and in fact, I sent, you know, a video to my to my parents whilst the, the floor was being pumped with gimme, gimme, gimme a man until midnight, which I think was, which was, I think, I blame the DJ for my current disposition because the part where he's like, can no one hear my prayer? He prolonged that for another four bars and I got the breathing all wrong and then just the hype. And, and at that moment, oh, like, I was no. mute. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I just sent a video to my parents. I'm like, look, med ball going off. And and I think I was expecting them to be like, oh, my God, have a great time. You know, you guys haven't partied together. Instead, dad mm. was like, is this the future of Australian healthcare?" <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> followed by, I'm going to stay in New Zealand. So, <laughs> look, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But it was a good night. It was a good night. 
It's funny you say that. One of my friends um, who was there who wasn't a medical student mm. was like, oh, I've never been in a room with 800 people who could save my life. And I was like, mate, I reckon you'd be lucky to have about three people in this room that could save your life. And one of them's Priscilla. One of them's Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> Who's done the basic first aid she's, training. Which she's she's headed just... the defibrillator with our without quantity of mimosas <laughs> what's going on exactly oh, exactly there we go um well i reckon we better get into this yeah, episode look, look they're absolutely not, not look, here I, to hear I, ramble. that's it that's it so look mate we once again to remind remind the listener we sort of rejig the format and we're talking about is that what are you drinking out of is that <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the listeners who don't have access to my video feed, I've got about, uh, I've got one of those Nutribullet cups because they hold about a litre of fluid and I've just emptied a bottle of Diet Coke into it. So I have this kind of terrifying, huge, black, massive liquid that I'm <laughs> sipping away at. <laughs> I thought it was I a straight I should really have an IV line. <laughs> Yes, um, rather well, intimidating mate, over there. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so in any case, mate, we're talking, we're, we've been talking about meaty presentations and, and none more meatier than today. So I would like to introduce you um, and, and you and your role as an intern at the local emergency department. Um, mm. You've heard that a medical ball has taken place. You remember uh, back to your own times in medical school. Um, mm. and, and, and in uh, comes in a young man actually brought in by uh, the Ambulance Victoria team. And his name is okay. Girthman Chang. <laughs> Girthman? Girthman, there is no way that is a real name. Girthman Chan. Girthman. What a legend. Girthman Chang. <laughs> um, and he's, a, he's, he's an 18-year-old. He's an 18-year-old. All right. And all you've been told... Um, by by the ambulance Victoria staff, as well as his flatmate who's coming with him, um, is mm. that she came home from work and uh, you know he was he was in his room. The door was open and and uh, he just didn't seem to be himself, and he's been extremely mm. short of breath, probably for about the last oh. half an hour. But that's as much as you know, and that is because that's the time that he's been visualized by his flatmate. And the Ambulance Victoria staff. So, Girthman Chang, 18 years old, with shortness <laughs> Sorry, of just, just so I'm further oriented. Um, mm. So, what time of day is this? Is this after the ball, did you say? This is after the ball. So, this is no. maybe like 7 o'clock the next morning. Ah, okay. So, I the see. ball has happened. And, the evening, the night has and happened. And what on earth does the flatmate do for work? Are they like a, a um, woman of the night or something? <laughs> Which we love. Uh, she like, said that's fine. She said she works. She said she works wrapping tortillas at Guzman We Gomez. But I've just looked up. <laughs> I've just um. I've just looked up the opening hours, and they're they're well closed by eleven o'clock. So <laughs> this story is not adding up. There's no. something fishy going well, on here. And she keeps referring to Girthman as Girthy, which is just adding to the. <laughs> it's just very uncomfortable. Um, well, but maybe before I, I even take yeah. a history. Before I take a history, I need to do a testicular exam to examine the girth of girth man to see the validity of the, that story also. So, <laughs> um, so, so all, all, what I want you to start off with, Kevin, is that if you hear 
young young male, um, 18 years old, short of breath. What are some differentials mm. that are running through your mind to begin with? Great. I love that you've asked that because um, as we talked about earlier, it's great to just have those walk-in-the-door differentials for certain demographics um, and especially with dyspnea um, because the causes will be quite different for a young person, old person. So it's for a young person, um, I'm thinking, uh, so in terms of respiratory causes, I think the most likely you have to think about would be like an anaphylaxis or allergy or asthma kind of situation, um, maybe a tension uh, pneumothorax or just a pneumothorax in general, especially if he's looking a bit marfanoid, a bit uh, lanky if he's a lanky mm. boy. But he, we've established he might be a girthy boy, but we'll see how we go. Um, also, uh, so those are respiratory kind of causes. Um, I, when I think about shortness of breath, I think respiratory, cardiac and metabolic kind of causes and so one that you should never miss in a young person um, is a potential diabetic ketoacidosis Um, so definitely thinking about that Um, yeah those are my like acute young person main differentials I'd say is there any other ones I should um no no fantastic fantastically thought I guess sort of depending on how young you're going especially in the pediatric Mm. population you want to think about foreign body aspiration. That's a, that's oh, a big one. Okay. Have they swallowed a toy or something like that? But And I think it gets a little bit more muddled if we go to the very young because then there are certain pathologies that happen that present with dyspnea, okay. shortness of breath and stuff in the very young. Um, so we're not going to go there. So you're thinking anaphylaxis, pneumothorax, and, and you meant marfanoid. Uh, can you maybe expand mm-hmm. on what you meant by the phrase marfanoid? Yeah, so um, you're at an increased risk of having a pneumothorax if you're of a certain body habitus. So if you're kind of tall, um, I'm not sure how else to describe it. It's, a, it's kind of a, it's a look. <laughs> Would you be able to help me out? I'm, I'm having yeah, difficulty yeah, articulating. I always think like sort of, of very tall, lanky. It's the sort yeah. of look, the sort of people you look at and you're like, God, I hope you're good at basketball. Because if you're not, <laughs> you know, a bit like, oh, not, what's that guy's name? Uh, Yao Ming, the like seven Yao foot. Ming. Yao Ming. Is and that if that's talking about Marf, yeah, Yao Ming, he's a great guy. He played for the Houston Rockets, yeah. a man from China. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's actually a distant relative of Girthman Chang, actually. Um, <laughs> but, but there we go. But there we go. All right. So I like, I like anaphylaxis. I like pneumothorax. Uh, DKA was a really good one. A very good one. Okay. Um, mm. are, are there any other sort of respiratory ones that you may consider sort of saying an adult with respiratory? Just so, uh, with, with oh. shortness of breath, just to give some context. Say so if he was a bit older, do you mean? Yeah, if he was a bit older, say he's 30, 40, and then maybe 60 okay. or 70. So respiratory causes, um, acutely I'd, I'd be thinking, oh, no, it depends on uh, PE maybe. Yep. Um, yep. that's an important one. Uh, yes. I don't know how common yes. it is, but you definitely have to consider it. Um, and then you have all your more like chronic things. So COPD, if they mm. have a diagnosis, it could be an exacerbation, uh, pneumonia. Uh, I guess that's more acute. I guess it's yeah. more like yeah. subacuity. Um, right. what else? Those are respiratory ones. Perfect. Uh, anything Perfect. else? 
any any cardiac ones that come to mind that you always want to think yeah. about any age group, I guess? Definitely. So uh, an acute coronary syndrome, whether that's an MI or unstable angina. Mm. Um, And it could be if they have heart failure, especially in the older Mm. population, um, you're thinking an exacerbation of heart failure. Mm. Um, Yeah, those are the main ones I'd be thinking about. I guess the emergency one is the MI. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Fantastic. Did you mention asthma anywhere? Oh, I think I... Oh, yeah, I just kind of grouped that with anaphylaxis. Yeah, yeah good asthma, call. Of course. Great call. Definitely. That's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. So for listeners who, who sort of uh, not quite sure, so with asthma, um, just a quick tidbit, and this is big, especially in pediatrics as well. If you look at most treatment protocols for asthma, and, uh, and we're talking about an acute exacerbation of asthma, at some point in time, if you haven't definitely worked out its asthma exacerbation, you almost treat it like anaphylaxis as well. So it is a oh. because it would be with difficulty breathing. So you would be giving your intramuscular adrenaline. So that's always a good thing to know. In that, if you have a look at most protocols, especially pediatric protocols for asthma, that mm. anaphylaxis treatment, the IM adrenaline every every five minutes will be a part of that. So it's a really good one to think about asthma anaphylaxis. Okay. Stuff like that. Something good. Good little clinical note there, Dwayne. That's it, mate. That's it. Pearls. <laughs> Pearls. Um, mate, so so Girthman. Girthman is sort of like now, <laughs> just, um, you know, he's heard people, he's heard his flatmate saying girthy, girthy, girthy. And he says, he responds by saying, oi, oi, oi. And now that he's got your attention and, he, and he's come to his senses, you can take a bit yeah. of a history. You can take a bit of a history. Oh, okay. Um, so what would be some pertinent things that you'd like to ask girthy? And instead of a to and fro, I'll get all your questions that you'd like to ask. And then I'll give you the answer. Oh, okay. So okay, um, so I think with the shortness of breath, we want to work out um, because what shortness of breath is is it's a recognition by someone that there's kind of an inappropriate relationship between how much work it's taking to breathe um, and like the their satisfaction, like their yes. central yes. satisfaction with the amount yes. of oxygen. Um, <laughs> So does it feel like it's actually hard to breathe? Like they can't expand their lung or does it just feel like um, there's an increased drive? Like they just can't yep. get enough air in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I th- I, it's hard to, oh, I should learn to articulate that better because that's an important thing to tease mm. out. Um, mm. Do you understand what I'm asking? Though? I know. Yeah, you've nailed it. And what Gerthy would say in okay. responses, I don't feel, I don't feel like uh, he just can't, he just feels like, for whatever reason, he just feels mm. the need to breathe more and breathe more and breathe more and breathe in right. and out. Yeah. Okay. So uh, to answer my question, so that's essentially indicating a more, cent- more central situation. Yes. Not necessarily yes, more of an increased drive, what you were saying. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so time course is always important. So yes. was it a super sudden onset or when did you first notice it, mm. Gerthy? Yeah, so Girthy, Girthy, call me Girthy. Um, so he mentioned, uh, Girthy says that he's been feeling short. He's been feeling off for quite a while, oh. especially, you know, in the middle of the ball and especially after that. But, mm. um, and he has been, you know, a little bit ill in the you know last few weeks with a bit of a chesty cough and that sort of stuff, but nothing to worry yeah. about. But the shortness of breath, this feeling that he just needs to keep breathing faster and faster, probably developed over the last hour. 
Um, so about half an okay. hour before the ambulance was called and his flatmate found him and stuff like that. Um, that mm. sort of that sort of uh, where that breathing sort of started to get out of control. So I just want to understand the severity of the shortness of breath. So mm. the fact that he's speaking to me indicates it's not horrific. But has it been consistently worsening, or is it constant? Yeah, so so it is. Or? It is worsening. It is worsening, and he is able to speak um, at home. Uh, when his flatmate, you know, when and uh, I was about to say aroused him, but it's probably the wrong word to, to arouse him, <laughs> aroused him with a name like Girthy. Yeah. Um, but he was able to, you know, string string, you know, reasonable sentences together. But you do notice okay. now that when he's talking to you, it's more sort of words or two to three word phrases as opposed to the mm. sentences that he was speaking at home. Okay. And keep in mind that this man does not have usually have any issues with his breathing. That's something to it. Yeah. Okay. Consider as well. Okay. Good to know. So you have no diagnosis of any respiratory no, diseases. No. Uh, well, do you have any other diagnoses, Girthy? No. No. Never been very healthy. No, no issues. Healthy boy. That's yeah. good to hear. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> what I'd like to ask you now, Girthy, is a mm. uh, couple of questions we call like a review of systems. Um, yes. Don't worry. It's just so I can get a better understanding of you, you and your health. Yeah. So, um, start off with, have you been feeling like your heart's racing? No. No? Okay. Have you had any chest pain? Uh, no, not at all. No. No, no chest pain. Have you had a cough? Um, I had a cough about, probably about three or four, probably about a week ago, I'd say, five to seven days oh, ago. Okay. I went and got checked right. up by my GP. He said, you know, it's not an issue. Okay. And that, are you feeling hot at all? It's good. No. Like feverish? Not, not at all. No, 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 I wouldn't say feverish. Hey. Yeah. Okay. And this might sound like a strange question, but um, how's your urination been over the past couple of days? Mate, I've noticed I've noticed for the past probably about a month or so that I've oh, been going okay. to the toilet far more often, especially yeah. at night time. Far more often, especially right. at night time. So you're actually waking up to go to the toilet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And how many times a day would you say you're going to the toilet? Oh, I mean, let's just say, you know, give or take, there's probably been about a 50 to 75% increase in the amount of times right. I'm going to the toilet. And I, and it's okay. not like, you know, I'm, I'm passing a little bit of urine. Um, it feels like I'm peeing a lot, you know, and I've, I so mentioned you, that uh, you... Priscilla, my flatmate. <laughs> okay so every time you're going to the bathroom you're passing either a normal or greater amount of urine yeah yeah and you're going yeah, 50 to 75 percent five percent more yeah 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 so the frequency and volume is increased correct okay correct. uh thanks for telling me that um so you're feeling short of breath um the, so this started sorry it's been worsening over the past hour but yeah past hour i first i first day? noticed it sort of come on you know, because I was at the after party for the ball, um, mm. you know, so we sort of walked into my house at about, I don't know, say about 2, 2 a.m. or something. And I noticed that, oh, God, you know, is my breathing starting to go off a little bit. But I just thought it's because yeah. I had such an amazing time uh, at the ball mm. and at the after party and stuff like that. Um, but it was okay for me to, you know, go to sleep. But then I sort of woke up again to go to the toilet. And that's when I noticed yeah. again, my goodness, my breathing is really, really elevated. The respiratory rate's elevated. Okay. And would you say you had quite an active time at the ball? Like were you spending a lot of time dancing? Oh, mate, I was, I was mowing the dance. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Wow, it must it have was... been difficult with the with the terrible band that started off that <laughs> night. But um, you're a machine. <laughs> Shots fired. I apologise to that band. They were they were decent. They should apologise to us. <laughs> they should apologise to us. I love that. I like in some universe believe that somehow they're going to be listening to this podcast. There's like no way. <laughs> Mate, anyway, I, um, I dare say yeah. there are more people who listen to this podcast and get pleasure out of it than the first hour of the podcast. But let's not go. There. Let's not go there. All right, um, I'm pretty happy with that history at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good, mate. Very good. So, what have we got so far? So, we've got an 18 year old male. He's been brought in by by ambulance. Um, all you know is that he's short of breath, and it feels like there's this increased drive um, mm. to breathe. You know that now he's uh, he's just been peeing heaps and he's given you this odd number of 50 to 75%, but it's really good that you clarified there's an increase in frequency as as well as volume. Um, mm. So given that, now that, and of course I'm going to let you ask a few more questions, but what are you mm. sort of, uh, given a very limited history, um, what are you sort of narrowing down on? Is there anything that we can rule out or rule in at this point? in terms of your priorities of diagnosis? Yeah, I think I've definitely narrowed my history. Uh, that was a focused history, um, yeah. mainly towards um, a ketoacidotic mm. event, secondary mm. to diabetes mellitus, which would yeah. likely be type 1, um, given his age and the facts. I actually don't – I'm unaware of his body habitus right now. I haven't examined him yet, or I don't know what yeah. he looks like. But um, yeah. even yeah. then – to get mm. type two that early, unlikely. So that'd be rough. Yeah, I think rough. I'm leaning towards that. I'm just trying to think of. So in terms of my other differentials, I was considering the reason I'm yep. no longer considering them is, uh, what did I say? Uh, pneumothorax. Pneumothorax. He's got. It wasn't an, a super acute onset. Mm. He um he doesn't really have any chest pain and it correct it doesn't it sounds more like a central shortness of breath rather than yeah. a. Respiratory, yeah. yeah, kind of lung uh, dif- yeah. difficulty inflating. Um, and no real trauma or something of, that would make you think that yeah, you know, could be a mechanism. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and what were the other ones? I, oh, I probably should have asked more about asthma. Yeah, I should have maybe asked about, you know, family history. Yep. Um, yep. Does he have eczema, the atopic triad? Or perfect, perfect. So nothing, nothing of note, nothing of note there. His uh, yep. his mum does have asthma, but it's quite well controlled. Um, she's okay. going to be to the right. hospital or anything for that. So, um, mm. mate, I think that was really good. Um, is there any sort of cardiac okay. that you sort of ruled out with the uh, with the chest pain or the lack thereof of chest pain, which is really good? Uh, what's a cardiac diagnosis that you never want to miss in the young person? Just, just to the uh, side. Is this some kind of congenital deformity that I have no knowledge just think, of? Just think about me, mate. Just think about me. What's what's a cardiac thing? Oh, that oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, pericarditis. That's it, absolutely. So usually that would be more, you know, in terms of your your your, your chest pain. Uh, but you've got mm. to remember, and and uh, as Kevin will show us a bit later, and we talked about before. In terms of associated symptoms, just because uh, they have chest pain doesn't mean that you should just focus on that. You should be asking about shortness of breath or cardiac things mm. can sometimes present with shortness of breath. And then you've got to drill down and suss out the chest pain as well. 
So that's brilliant, mate. Well done. Um, in terms of, um, is there anything else that you'd like to ascertain on history or would you like to sort of go more into an examination now? Yeah, I think I've, t- I've looked at the respiratory symptoms. I've looked at the cardiac symptoms. Yeah. Um, maybe I'd just ask, because the other one you can consider is anemia could be an yes. option here as a metabolic yes. cause. Um, yes. So maybe I'd ask about his, dietary habits um sure. if there's any been any blood in his stools perhaps brilliant, brilliant. nothing nothing um, of that this has really just come out of the come out of the blue um yeah, so he's quite okay. he's quite healthy um there's no absorptive issues um because we always think with especially with anemia especially iron deficiency anemia we think about inputs are they getting enough we think about absorption and then we think about output and there's nothing sort yeah. of to suggest that there would be any mechanism contributing to that so uh, okay no he's Great. clear on that sense all right yeah let's move on to examination Brilliant. Then, I let's reckon. go on to examination so what would you okay. how would you uh, <laughs> so i want to i want to maybe simulate um what a real life ed would be so i feel like sometimes at university and especially with oskies we think that things mm. sort of happen in these block stages so we think mm. that we take a history then we discuss it then we make some diagnoses, mm. then we do the exam, then we discuss it more, then we do investigations. Whereas in an emergency yeah. department, everything is happening at the same time. Um, and it's True. quite a dynamic situation. So given, okay. yeah. given the fact that 18-year-old Gerthy, uh, he's over there, you've sort of narrowed down a few things. What would be some investigations that you'd like your medical students or the nurses to, I guess, you know, expedite? whilst you're yeah. thinking about how you want to examine. So maybe we'll go to investigations first. All right. I like this um, much more yeah. practical approach. That's it. So with investigations, I always think bedside, bloods, imaging, and Very special good. extra ones. So yeah. let's start with bedside. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember our ED consultant in Ballarat last year, the uh, incredible uh, Dr. Krukshank, Always said, don't forget the glucose. So it's an easy test we can do. The finger prick, what is it called? Finger prick glucose. Um, Just a bed, there it is. Bedside test, easy to do. Um, There's no cost of doing it. So if it seems even vaguely relevant, just shoot it it off. Um, So we'll do one of those. Obviously, it seems like it's going to be very relevant here, but um, extremely, extremely relevant. So that's the initial test we'll do for old Gerthy. Okay, bedside, ECG, I'm trying to think if that is hugely indicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you reckon they'd do one, Dwayne, in your experience? I feel like they would, mate. I feel like they would. Young person, you know, could maybe a PE, who knows, could be. I think it could also be an arrhythmia. Yeah, yeah, or in a rhythm yeah. maybe. Um, That's right. So, okay, yeah, let's do an ECG. Yeah. Um, sure. We'll give the med students something to do. <laughs> let them do an ECG. Scraps. Um, yeah, it's a okay. scraps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on to bloods. Um, mm. Let me think. So, obviously, uh, FBE. So, I'm looking at yep. the hemoglobin for anemia, yep. looking at the white yep. cells for infection. Um, I actually get the serum glucose as well, not yes, just the yes. one, but from the blood. Very tech. good. So we'll get Very that. Good. Um, what else do we need? Uh, you could do a CRP for signs of acute inflammation. It would probably mm-hmm. be on the panel. 
Um, trying to think of a reason to order coax because they probably would. Uh, mm. uh, I don't know. Maybe mm. I'd probably chuck it on there. I haven't got a good justification. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? LFT is probably not. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm wrong, tell me in a second. Probably, I probably wouldn't bother with it. Look, I know in real life they're just going to order all of these, but I'm trying yeah, to like have yeah, a focused yeah. approach. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, I want to yeah. be able to justify it. Can't really justify LFTs right now. Um, mm. What other bloods do we have? Anyway, moving on. Um, those are the kind of the bloods I want. And then <sighs> imaging, uh, chest x-ray, easy to do. Will let yep. us rule out um, some respiratory causes, so yeah, it might be worth true. probably yep. worth definitely worth doing. Um, yep, I think that's everything I'd be like getting done at short term mm-hmm. before I. So I just want to check. So you want an ECG? Further. You want a glucose? Yep. Uh, you've thought about your full blood evaluation, yep. uh, serum glucose yep. as well. So I'd probably do a whole UEC, I guess. Um, over oh there. yeah, yeah, definitely. So get your Sorry, panel, yeah. So urea, electrolytes, yeah. petanin, get your coag, CRP yeah. for infection and chest X-rays. Is that right? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's important. Would you USA, would you um, consider a venous blood gas? Ooh, yeah. I guess it's easy to do, and mm. Mm. I'm just trying to think the rationale for it. What information are we getting from a VBG again? So a VBG essentially will give you the heavy hitters off your full blood count and your UEC. But it'll also okay. give you things like lactate. It'll give you the pH. It may give you a base excess. It may give you your bicarb. Um, you know, you have a young person. And it's like live thinking. results, right? Yeah, literally like, within 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah so... I get, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I was hoping you'd say yeah, that. I feel like I you want me to get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, okay. I reckon, I reckon, yeah, I reckon we'll chuck that one on. Or like do awesome. it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. Would you consider a urine sample at all, Kevin? Oh, yes. Sorry, so yep. that would be part of my bedside approach. So I yep. think... Can we see hyperglycemia in a dipstick? Yeah, you can because it'll just say heaps of glucose. Yeah. It'll beautiful. be like glucose right. plus, plus, uh, plus. Oh, sorry, sorry. Not hyperglycemia. I mean um, glucosuria. That's just a little <laughs> terminology because hyperglycemia <laughs> is referring to the bloodstream, whereas That's right. glucosuria, Jesus, I, I never know how to say it, but <laughs> yeah, that's just me being a nitpicker. Um Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Anything what's, else? What's something, what's something else um, that would be, if you're thinking DKA, what's mm. another sort of parameter that you want to know about? Sort of related with the glucose and with the pathophors of DKA, I guess. That may show okay. up on tests. So, yeah, I'll just think through DKA. So DKA, they're super hyperglycemic. Yep. Um, because they can't take the glucose into their cells. Mm-hmm. And because of that hyperglycemia, they become glucosuric, which means yep. they're basically pissing out heaps of fluid and become dehydrated. Um, a- oh, I know where you're going in this, I think. So um, because they generate all these ketones, ketones mm-hmm. are acidotic. So they're, right. 
the whole reason they're getting these weird symptoms is because they're acidemic. Um, so I want that was a reason for the wait. How do I check for acidosis again? What uh, test VBG? is that? Your VBG, oh, VBG is going to tell you okay. the Oh, okay. So we've already yeah. we've got that. That's important. Um, mm-hmm. What else would I need? I mean, I'd assess their fluid status, so that's not really a test. That's just mm. a clinical examination. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what's the answer? Well, I was just saying, having a look at their ketones, that's essentially what I was going Oh, for. right. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. That's really important, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not only... Yeah, you guys just assume they're acidotic cause of ketones. It's a needed check. Yeah, because doesn't that inform management as well? Like yeah, the yeah, that's ketone right. level? Okay, that's sorry right. about that. That's no, right. This is good revision. I think what the listener is now privy to is, is just the how advanced you are in sort of your thinking. That like you can sit <laughs> oh. Whereas I'm just like here, Mr. Layups, just be like DKA, <laughs> diabetic, glucose, K... Keto, ketones, <laughs> acidosis, pH. That's that's all I'm here oh, for. Oh, that's yeah. so good. I love a good mnemonic. <laughs> like, can you say that again? <laughs> it's not DKA, a it's, the, it's the name, mate. It's the name of the condition. <laughs> <laughs> Me under the... As soon as I think there's a chance of a mnemonic, I'm just like, oh, I'm there. I'm there. That's so funny. You've got to to remember, so essentially you're seeing the three things that you want to see in a DKA to really call it a DKA is obviously an elevated elevated sugar. You want to see, or an elevated glucose, sorry. You want to see um, ketones. So usually when we think about ketones of greater than 1.5 seems to be the, you know, the magic number. Some people say point, under 0.6 is sort of, you know, it's a normal situation. 0.6 to 1.5, you're really getting a little bit worried about, oh, is ketosis setting in? And then greater than 1.5, it's like a full-blown ketoacidosis. Um, right. And then obviously the uh, the A is the acidosis, which is a pH. And usually we're thinking a pH of less than 7.35, less than 7.3, mm. that sort of uh, that sort of thing. And this is the, this is the beauty of um, doing that VBG. Um, and mm. in, in association with, I guess, the um, the bedside glucose. Oh, so we, right. Yeah, because when you do a bedside glucose, there is one type of strip that's going to give you your glucose reading. But then the same mm. machine, if you put it onto a different setting with a different strip, will give you your ketone reading as well. So that, yeah, that's I sometimes think my dad a mark saying, of how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah, dad was telling me the other day that, yeah, you can get ketones on the BBG, right? That's right. Is that's that what right. you were saying? Yeah. 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 So that's and, and you can important. get and you can get yeah. ketones on the actual actual glucose monitor, the portable glucose. Oh, monitor true. As well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's yeah, a, it's actually, one of those things. Yeah. It's a clinical diagnosis. Well, I was, and like hmm. DK is a clinical diagnosis. You're putting things together. It's essentially, like you hmm. have within minutes from the history, you've worked out that Girthy probably looking at the DK. And there are some very quick tests that you can do yeah. um, to to confirm that it is a DK situation. Yeah. And I just want to, you've reminded me now, because in terms of acute diabetic emergencies, for type one, it will tend to present as ketoacidosis, but for type Correct. two, 
um, if it's a, if it's presenting as an emergency, it'll be that hyperosmolar non-ketotic right. coma. That's a, so that's, that's kind a, of an easy way to tell that that's the importance of te- looking at the yeah. Um, yeah. ketones, right? Because that's one of the that's major right. differences. That's right. Because um, right. they'll both be Fantastic. super dehydrated and mm. peeing everywhere and all of that. That's right. Um, but the ketones <laughs> just, are different. <laughs> well, not peeing everywhere. Girthman's <laughs> <laughs> just, just layering the department in sugary urine. <laughs> This is so, so good. Oh, my um, God. So, oh. so brilliant stuff. So brilliant stuff. So at this point, sort of, you know, a bit of a bit of teaching here. So ketoacidosis, it's usually the presentation that type 1 diabetics come in with, which mm. allows them to be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. the story of, you know, usually well, young person, they may have noticed, you know, that they've now been peeing more or eating more or you know, more thirst, more appetite. It doesn't necessarily mm. have to be that typical three Ps, the, the polydipsia, polyuria, polyphagia that we see. Sometimes oh, uh, it can be, you know, they were fine and then they've sort of had a stressful situation, whether that's, you know, a period of maybe a lot of alcohol intake or uh, they've, they've mm. been sick recently, both which may be factors in Gerthman's presentation. Yes, um, yes. But, but you, sort of, you sort of think about, it's a bit of a scary thing because this is actually based on a patient that we had um, in Ballarat last year when I was in an ED shift. And and, mm. and usually when you think DKA, you're thinking, you know, in the OSCEs, you sometimes have it under a differential of abdominal pain, diffuse abdominal pain in the younger person. Mm. But this was mm. one where it was like dyspnea. And I was thinking exactly what you were saying, asthma, anaphylaxis, pneumothorax, um, you know, you think of everything. And it'd be like, wow, it's actually mm. the respirations that, that gave him away. Yeah. Um, in you terms actually, of... Int- yeah. yeah. No, keep Sorry, going. just before we keep going, you've just reminded me of a few things. So yeah. the first thing is about that breathing in a ketoacidotic state. It's actually got a name yeah. called chrismal right. breathing. And That's not right. only do they feel short of breath, but they kind of characteristically take these very deep breaths. Yes. And yes. they'll have the fruity acetone breath as well, as well right. which I should have kind of assessed. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was, I thought it was just quite an interesting point. So I just want to mention it again, that idea that there's often some kind of acute stressor for the um, ketoacidotic state, because yep. if you think about the physiology, um, if there's some kind of acute stress or infection or something that puts your body under a little bit of stress or whether that's, you know, a big night out and he's dancing heats or he had an infection last week, what that means is your body is going to have a cortisol spike because that's a normal physiological response. Um, So that contributes to this hyperglycemic state because cortisol Mm. obviously Mm. induces a hyperglycemic state. So that's, if you want to think about it physiologically, that's why that's occurring that's it um yeah quite interesting i'd forgotten about that so no no brilliant nice. brilliant Thanks. stuff so in terms of in terms of the respiration maybe we'll move on now to i'll give you a few results uh in terms of the test that you ordered so the ecg is normal for him so no arrhythmias to to worry about uh the glucose um unfortunately the actual meter um has come up and said high so so this is quite a quite a Quite a common finding sometimes <laughs> with cheaper, cheaper glucose meters is that once they cross 15 oh. or 20, that just goes high. Um, it's a little bit like oh, when, I okay. was, when I was at one stage, when I was sort of at my quite girthy in terms of body habitus myself, 
Um, <laughs> <I> remember, <laughs> not, not, not one part of the habit, it's just everything. Um, um, but, and I remember one night I sat on the, uh, on, you know, like the way chair um, that we used to yeah, weigh the kids yeah. back, back at Starship Hospital. And I sat on there and asked my and I asked my colleague, um, "Hey Flo, can you read what it says?" And apparently, it came up with error, error. That's all the message. There was just a thing going error, and that's when I, that's when I knew, that's when I knew that I had to, I had to, to just take that, control. It actually of goes. This child needs bariatric surgery immediately. That's right. They're like, this is the biggest tumor we've seen. This kid's saying error. Um, but brilliant. So maybe we'll move on to the examination now. Now that you've sort of got these back. So glucose, let's say it's 35. That's what the VBGs told you. So it's sky high. Uh, urine mm. said glucose plus, 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 ketones plus, plus. Um, there's nothing remarkable on the full blood count in terms of the HB. However, you've noticed that the hematocrit is elevated. The hematocrit is elevated. I want you to just keep oh. that in mind. No infective markers there. Um, the CRP okay. is normal. The glucose, once again, has been confirmed that it's 35. In terms of the UECs, everything is within normal range except the potassium. The potassium um, is 6.2. The potassium is 6.2. 6.2. So that's, oh. that's right. That's yeah, right. So okay. hyperkalemic hyper there. Yes, um, yeah. coags, your, your consultant has berated you for ordering coags. Um, essentially, <laughs> so he's, <laughs> like he's just come back to you and he's like, do you think your father runs this hospital? And then you come back when he actually runs one in Perth, mate. So what's wrong with you? No, um, but yes. And there's, uh, nothing on the chest x-ray, but it was good that you checked. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank and you. the pH, Thank the you. pH is 7.29, 7.29. The pH. Oh, I'm just trying to remember what the normal range is. So the normal the range is 7.35 to 7.45. Oh, so that's essentially it. there's that's an acidosis. Yeah. There's an acidosis. Okay. And the and the and the PCO2 or the partial pressure of carbon dioxide, that's low mm. as well. I've forgotten the number, but that's low. Okay. Right. I remember the normal range for CO2 is 35 to 45. So that's mm. just that's right. It's 30 That's or right. 25 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Let's say it's 30. Let's say it's 30. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So so taking all of that information, I think you're, you're really feeling now that it's a DKA situation. Mm. Nevertheless, mm. as these investigations are being run and carried out, you're doing a very mm. quick exam because like we said, this is an emergency. So, you know, things are yeah. – once, 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 you know, you, you're caught on to the fact that it's DKA – it's amazing how things sort of flick into motion, and I'll talk about that soon. Yeah. But very quickly, Kevin, top to toe, uh, what would you be liking to do in terms of an examination? So we're talking just a really focused exam. Really focused, so, really focused exam. Okay. I mean, so you always start off with the end of bed assessment, so have a look Perfect. at him um, in the sense that there's a few of the things we talked about, so his habit, his habitus, yeah. um, and his work of breathing and yep. also kind of his posture, like is he really hunched over, which kind of indicates more of an obstructive situation. Yeah. There's, there's um, no tripoding. Uh, there's no there's no sort of yeah. nothing that makes you think obstructive. You notice that he's breathing really fast and he's working, yeah. but you're not seeing like sort of mass intercostal recessions and stuff like that. Exactly. But the dude okay. is just yeah. elevated respiratory rate for sure. Yeah. 
So, and is he sitting on the bed or lying on the bed or? He's lying on the bed. My... He's lying on the bed, and the okay. bed's sort of maybe at a you know forty-five degree angle, just the normal thing that it's okay. at. Okay. Uh, and he just okay. can't seem to get enough breath, and he's just breathing, breathing, breathing. Okay, so uh, at this point, have we done the ECG? And yeah, we've done the already? ECG, and everything's normal. Okay, okay, so I probably wouldn't bother doing much cardio-related yep. checks. I definitely yep. um, want to listen to the lungs, uh, mainly yep. because I, at this stage, I, I'd want to be ruling out asthma and asthma Absolutely. attacks. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have a listen and it, it's those wheezes, right? The wheezes yeah, are really characteristic yeah. of asthma because you're getting that's right. airway obstruction. So that's I, right. I assume there aren't any. <laughs> no, there isn't any. One one quick thing, though, to remember with asthma is that do not just be reliant on the wheezing because in very serious cases of asthma, like pre-terminal, you can have a silent mm. chest because nothing's getting, right. nothing's getting out. And so the, the status asthmaticus, you just want to be worried about that as well. But you're totally right. There's no wheezes to be heard. Um, and yeah. there's nothing really making you think that it's asthma. Okay. So there's just no, there's still breath sounds though. Which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's silent. And it's equal and bilateral um, on both sides. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think I'd still just do a quick respiratory yeah. examination. Like, so yeah. um, in terms of, I'd start off with chest expansion. Uh, make yeah. sure it's symmetrical. Uh, yep. That would kind of help with ruling out a pneumothorax. Sure. Um, moving on. I'm just going to assume most of these things are normal and just yeah, jump normal, in if they're normal. not. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah, so chest expansion, then you'd move on to percussion, uh, looking mm. for an area of dullness, again, yep. like related to pleural effusion or pneumothorax. Mm. Um, assuming that's normal, then I'd have my listen uh, to the – breath sounds and then i'd finish off with uh vocal resonance but to be honest in real life yeah. probably at this all those normal findings i probably wouldn't do vocal resonance. can you imagine the absolute uh, scenes of like this guy's like yeah. dying of dkn you're like 99 99 <laughs> you're like what the hell is this guy doing it's like no the austin tellies and o'connor told me to say 99 <laughs> i've got to do it <laughs> Um, I'm just thinking other examinations I need to do. Um, mm. I probably wouldn't do all that much, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, clinical features that you might you might find, so obviously we've talked mm. about uh, the polydipsia, the polyuria. You probably want to ask about recent weight loss, if there has been anything, right. if there's any nausea and vomiting. He has vomited a couple yes. of times. He's yeah. extremely nauseous. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah, extremely nauseous. Uh, neurological abnormality. So you're looking for an altered mental state because obviously having ketones uh, and, and sort of relying on ketoacidosis may be, may be good in a little bit of time, but it's not the way your body wants to be, you know, you know making it. I think it's also energy. because in an acidemic state, you get a bit of encephalopathy. So I think Correct. that's an aspect of the medicine Correct. also. Yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned that you would do a quick, I think earlier on, you would do a quick dehydration status situation. Yeah. Oh, I should have, like yes. Sorry, yeah. So you do the, what I like to say, mythical fluid assessment because I'm yep. still just so dumb at it. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I think it just comes with clinical experience. Absolutely. But they Absolutely. always, doctors often go, oh, you know, they look really dry or they look mm. really fluid-filled. So the kind yeah. of things you are looking at is JVP, 
Yeah. Um, you're basically looking for signs of either fluid overload or like That's they're right. really dry. So um, you look at their mucous membranes. Uh, so yeah. they should be nice and um, moist. I hate yeah. that word. They should oh, be God. nice and moist. <laughs> um, so yeah, mucous membranes, JVP. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, if they've got like rampant ascites, uh, yeah. that indicates... Well, it could be indicative of fluid overload. It could also be mm. some kind of abdominal thing, but we yeah, won't right. get into that. Um, right. And you'd also, you'd want to listen to the lungs as well because in fluid yep. overload, they will yep. get, well, not will, but likely will have pulmonary edema. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of assessing, trying to work out clinically how much fluid they have on board. Um, That's it. And the reason I it's relevant right now is in a ketoacidotic state because they've been urinating so much mm, um mm. they are just going to be so dehydrated that's it um that's it. so their jv you're not going to see their jvp no, uh, no. You're, yeah they're going to have dry mucous membranes probably um that's it. yeah and the other thing i just wanted to mention that i'd forgotten uh, which you briefly mentioned was the, the three p's so polyphagia yeah. polyglucia yeah. poly yeah, so in my history, I completely failed to ask about mm, um, if mm. he's been noticed he's been really thirsty and if he's been really yep. hungry over the past month yep. or so. And they're important yep. questions. I that's it. Mentioned. But yeah. No, that's brilliant. That brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Um, other things to remember, obviously, with dehydration is if, if you have them sort of in your ward for, this is more sort of general medicine setting, weight. Weight is quite a good, you know, measure of hydration status. If you know mm. what their normal pre-morbid weight is, whether they're under or over, um, really mm. good to do blood pressure, obs, tachycardia oh, could course. be another sign of, yeah. obviously, of that. So he is quite tachycardic, uh, but mm. he isn't. He's slightly hypotensive, but not to the point where you're like, oh, I'm thinking there's going to be like a circulatory collapse. Um, right. Yeah. Another another good thing to think about as well over there yeah um, true true fluid support yeah. yeah they can also sometimes have abdominal pain the sort of diffuse abdominal pain can be sometimes mm. a presentation for dka as well so it is one of those mm. things and i've noticed it with the endocrine presentations um because they seem to you know not just be restricted to one body system it's really important mm. to always have endocrine differentials as part of yeah. your as part of your list just to think about it mm. Um, so brilliant stuff, mate. So I want to just now move on. Uh, there's a DKA and the most brilliant part of managing DKA is that every hospital or at least every, every, um, health institution will have a policy mm. for DKA management. Now, whether it is oh. that hospital's policy or whether it is a statewide mm. policy, it usually is, there will be a policy about managing DKA. Um, so right. I don't want to go into too much into like, the nitty gritty in terms of concentrations and this and that, but what would you say yeah, your yeah. priorities are and what would be your approach in treating a patient with DKA? Okay. Yeah. I'll just give you the broad strokes of what I'm please, thinking. Please. I think yeah. that's what you're after. Yeah. So yeah. first thing, as you mentioned, um, is fluids, right? So Brilliant. if someone's really, um, hypovolemic you're in trouble because yeah. they're not going to be perfusing their organs uh so you're in like a high you're approaching like a hypovolemic shock picture which yeah. we don't want so that's why often initial emergency management often starts with fluid resuscitation so yeah you know uh i don't know like the details of the dosings but i assume yeah. it's something yeah. like a bolus of 500 mil saline yeah 
um, situation until they start to look better. So, yeah, the fluid resuscitation. um, So that's one kind of management issue. I think the other thing we're worried about is the potassium you mentioned. So he's sitting at um, 6.2. Now... I can't remember the exact guidelines uh, regarding yeah. when you need to, because the more severe the hyperkalemia is, the yeah. the intervention changes slightly. Um, yeah. So did you want to have a discussion about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's start off with, like you said, so the resuscitation, the ABCs, as you know, the main the main thing, rehydration, you, you've absolutely nailed it. So yeah. um, in, in my experience sort of, in terms of adults is that unless they've got significant cardiac failure or, you know, renal issues, you tend to just go a a liter normal saline as a bolus. Um, And then you sort of, you know, you judge where they're at in terms of rehydration, in terms of fluid bolus. Um, And then you sort of, because, because once you rehydrate someone, you've then got to work out, you know, if they're not able to tolerate oral intake or they're continuously vomiting and stuff like that, then you might need to put them on some maintenance fluids. But we can mm. get to that later. You're totally right mm. about the potassium. So okay. why why you sort of... We mentioned he, that he's hyperkalemic. So why are we concerned that the potassium is so high? What's our concern? Right. Um, yeah, sorry. I should have just mentioned... I should have mentioned that. So... Um, Potassium is an important electrolyte. Uh, it mainly exists extracellular, oh no, intracellularly, intracellular, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sodium's the extracellular one. That's the one. Um, and you want to make sure the it's, it's quite an important electrolyte for the function of your heart in terms of yeah. the transmission of electrical signals. So if you start having a strange serum, um, <laughs> Uh, potassium, it can start yeah. messing with the way your heart's conducting electrical Absolutely. impulses. So ultimately creates an arrhythmia, um, which can be fatal. So, that's you know, right. that's what an emergency... And now I'm going to do the thing that you might have thought I wouldn't do. What are the ECG changes that we sometimes see with <laughs> hyperkalemia? <laughs> yeah, no, um, oh, I was talking about this on the woods the other day. I think... So it comes in stages. I think you yep. get the changes to the T waves first. Yep. I think yep. it's the peaked T wave. That's it. He knows um, it. He knows then, it. <laughs> but then it starts to like descend into hell. So like yep. as you get more and more hyperkalemic, yep. it starts to like become sinusoidal. Like the ECG mm-hmm. literally just looks like a sine wave. Yep. Um, yep. And I'm just thinking how that would happen. I assume you'd have like a depression of the s wave maybe i don't i don't know all all i I remember was widened qrs complexes and peak t waves there we go that's all i remember that that makes yeah that's that's good enough (laughs) once again guys once again i'm playing checkers he's playing chess you can just see you can just see the difference yeah but i'm I'm often losing the chess game, though. <laughs> I'm at the table, That's though. It. That's it. Um, so, so in terms of, uh, so you're brilliantly said. Now, I want to sort of maybe you know jump a little bit to the next part of the treatment, which is how are we All planning right. to get the glucose into the normal range because it's bloody high. Oh, how 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 do we want to? Okay, you know how do we want to manage that? Yeah. So insulin, we definitely need Brilliant. to get some. Hang on. Wait. Let me double check this. 
So they're type one, which means yep. they're not insulin resistant. That's so right. type one means they're just not producing it. So we no can give all. them yep. insulin. Yep. Um, so Absolutely. that will be helpful to get the Absolutely. blood sugar down. I don't That's know it. about dosing and anything like no, that. No, no, don't worry. Don't uh, worry about all that stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think that'll all be on like the hospital flow chart. Absolutely, of, absolutely. So, whatever. so everything on the yeah. hospital flow charts is literally a play-by-play relative to the glucose that you started with, and more so mm. the potassium. And the re- what's the interplay between insulin and, and potassium, which is sort of oh, why so much monitoring is. Recorded. I saw a meme. I saw a meme about this the other day. Do you know that meme where it's like the guy disappearing into a hedge? Have you yes, seen that? Yes, yes, the Homer Simpson one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, potassium when it sees insulin or something, and it like disappears into the hedge. So I think that means, is it that all the potassium hides in the cell, like gets sucked into the cells that's when it. that's it. You, it, when you get a bolus of insulin? Yeah, is that right? Yep. So there we go. You said potassium. Meme that's right. Yeah. Insulin drives <laughs> potassium intracellularly. So a really important thing to know is that you never start an insulin infusion unless you know what the potassium is that you're working with. The reason why I say right. that is that in medical school where everything is, you know, fine, you know, textbook, mm. usually the DKA patients present with a hyperkalemia. So we, the thing then says, go ahead, give that insulin. It will lower your sugar. It will lower your glucose. And it will, it will solve your hyperkalemia. Because hyperkalemia oh. obviously means high serum potassium is going to push it into the cells. In real right. life, you don't necessarily have to be coming in with a high potassium. In, in yeah, real life. Okay, okay. Right? It, so yeah. they can have a normal potassium, or sometimes yeah. they can actually have an extremely depleted potassium if they've been vomiting profusely. Because if you're vomiting, right. you're going to waste your potassium. Okay. So you want to know yeah. what your potassium is because if your mm. potassium is normal to low, then you may want to start off a potassium infusion concurrently with your insulin infusion. Whoa, okay, that- that's good to know. I was like, yeah, because I was thinking about ways to like lower their potassium, but I wasn't even thinking about that that's going to happen when we start Exactly, because you don't, you don't have to like necessarily go after the potassium, you know, like you don't have to necessarily try and correct it. You're hoping that giving the insulin is going to, you know, drive that potassium intracellularly. But at the same time, right. if you're starting with a normal potassium, serum potassium, you may give that insulin, brilliant, it's going to solve the glucose, but now you made them mm. hypokalemic. So now you're at yes. risk of arrhythmias and all that sort of stuff again. So I think a right. really big oh, takeaway good. in the treatment is to know what your potassium is before you start your insulin because you may have to run a potassium infusion independently or you may have to add potassium right. to those maintenance fluids that you have going just to make sure everything, you're not going from hypo to hypo, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that's really useful. Thanks, Dwayne. That makes sense. No, that's okay. Cool. That's okay. So essentially, <laughs> mate, we, we have touched on and we have we have solved the issue of DKA. So I guess the four rules that we talk about when we're tuning about DKA, the first thing is all mm. about rehydration. I mean, once we know it's a DKA, re- rehydration. Number two, yeah. do not give insulin until you know what the potassium level is for the reasons that we've oh, just okay. discussed. The yeah. third one is to correct your hyperglycemia. And you don't want to like give whopping doses of insulin because 
you don't want the fluid shifts that come with sort of going from high glucose to low glucose. You you, you want it to be a nice slow decrease. Oh, and at the same time, you okay. give if you give tons of insulin, you're going to tank your potassium, mm. your serum potassium, like we've just yeah, talked about yeah. as well. Mm. Um, and I guess the fourth thing that I mean, people will say, of course, we know this, is to work out why the hell they had a DKA. So if this is their first ever time with DKA and they're an undiagnosed type 1 diabetic, the chances are mm. they're a type 1 diabetic. That's why they've had a DKA. Mm. But things like, mm. you know, being pregnant, like you said, infection, uh, ischemia, missing your insulin doses, these are all reasons yeah. why someone can have a DKA. So you sort of try to work out what that precipitating cause was. I think I remember one of the ED doctors talking to me about this and they were saying, because to me, I was like, oh, the only people you're going to have getting DKAs are, you know, first diagnoses. But I think it's such an interesting situation where a lot of these patients are teenagers and, you know, you're going through that rebellious stage where, you know, it's a new phase of life and you want control and all these things. And for that reason, I think you get quite a lot of presentations of people who are already diagnosed, but they just are kind of non-compliant due to all those other Mm. tribulations of being a teenager. um, And it's very akin akin in that way to asthma, where you see a lot of teenagers Mm. come in with your acute exacerbations of asthma because they've forgotten to take in their puffer or they've they've got their puffer but it's just not cool to whip it out and you know yeah have to do a puffer or stop what you're doing in social situations and i couldn't i can Mm. imagine more so if you've got to you know inject insulin subcutaneously if you don't have that ongoing insulin or that sort of stuff so there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of reasons why but most Mm. of the time if you're thinking no medical history whatsoever and they've come in with dka probably because they've got a uh, undiagnosed type 1 diabetes i guess so Rehydrate mm. them is the big thing. Um, checking the potassium, insulin's a big part. Deciding whether you need to give them potassium as well. And that might seem counterintuitive. Yeah. You might think, oh, why are we giving potassium? The potassium's high because we want to make sure mm. everything returns to homeostasis for the reasons that we've talked about. Yeah. And then work out why the hell they went into the DK in the first place. Ah, that's so good. I'll, I'll write yeah. that down. That's a nice Here structured approach to <laughs> To the management. Love that, Dwayne. This is Mate, and that is that is the story of Girthman Chang. That's it. <laughs> Wait, so I, I never found out what Girthman's habits was. Mate, mate, oh Girthman mate, Girthman's fit, mate. Girthman's fit. Oh what? Yeah, he's a he's a, he's actually an Asian version of Sam Oa, essentially. Um, yeah. They call he's him the Emperor Donis. of the East. They call him the Emperor of the East, mate. This man is, yeah. Is so the girth is not referring to his habitus, but another region, I imagine. Interesting. That's right. Interesting. That's right. No, he is, he is a... And, and, and shout out to Jared Tan, actually, who's in Ballarat with me this year, who came up with the name mm. Girthman Chang. I don't want to go into the story, but essentially we were coming up with like random patient names for an assignment. And he decided to yeah. say Girthman Chang. And for me, it's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard. So shout out to Jared Tan so about good. Girthman Chang as well. Huge shout out. Huge shout out. Well, we Dwight, it's been a pleasure. I can feel Absolutely. my... Um, my caffeine wearing off and I think I need to go for a nap <laughs> um, before we go salsa dancing tonight. So I need oh, to go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, anyway, absolute pleasure chatting as always. always. I've always. learned so much this episode, actually. So, And I hope my um, voice has held yeah. up on your side. There's been a, I'd like to shout out Twinings for the limited ginger range, actually. That's just carried me through <laughs> since last night. But yeah, no, this has been a pleasure. Pleasure working with you again, big fella. Mate, your tones are as luscious as ever. Don't even worry. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. See you um, next time. Be safe, Dwayne. Love you lots and talk Take to you care. soon. Love you, mate. Bye-bye.